And that's found on page 516 in the Bibles that have been provided for you there in the rows. Again, if you are visiting with us or you do not have your own copy of the scriptures, so we'd invite you to, to take that with you as you go as our gift to you. Psalm 100, 121, starting at verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The, Lord, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would, your spirit would move mightily among your people this day. Lord, as we are reminded of your great and sovereign hand at work in our lives as your people, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith and our faithfulness as we desire to live lives that honor you to bring glory to your name. So we desire to be men and women who are faithful in, in proclaiming the wonders of your gospel, which we have sung so much about this morning. That sinful man can be reconciled to a holy God through faith in the Son of God who lived and died for us. Strengthen your church, Lord. I pray for those who struggle this morning. Lord, that you would bring comfort and strength from your word. Lord, I pray for those who are in sin, Lord, that they would be convicted and brought to repentance today. Lord, I pray for those of us, Lord, who may be hanging too tightly to the things of this world. Lord, that you would reveal that, that, that the true treasures are those things that are eternal and that are found in you. Do good to us, Lord, for your glory, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, what I'm about to say to you is something that I have said often, but it is a profound yet simple truth. Our growth as disciples is tied directly to our understanding of who God is. Our growth as disciples, followers, learners of Christ is directly tied to our understanding of who God is. Now, we, we touched on this a little bit last week as we considered Psalm 8. 
every Christian is called to be a disciple of Christ? I feel like I need to say that again. Every Christian is called to be a disciple. Discipleship is for everyone who believes, every Christian. And as we grow in our relationship with God and our understanding of of His Word, it's helpful that we remember that sometimes as we read God's Word, we we are confronted with something that is new to us or we understand in 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 a way more clearly than we once did. And sometimes as we read God's Word, we we, we get a much-needed review of things that we have learned in the past. And both situations are essential for our spiritual health. We need the reminders just as much as we need that, that, that growth in understanding in, in, in certain areas. These reminders are important because we are forgetters by nature. When, when the rubber meets the road, when, when, when trials come, when we are experiencing times of ease and comfort, we, we tend to forget even some of the most basic truths about the Christian life. We take our eyes off the, off the prize, if you will. So it is essential as we read God's Word that, that we take time to, to reflect on and, and, and come back to those truths that we've already been exposed to. And for many of you, quite honestly, what we read here in Psalm 121 really is a a lot of reminders of things that we know to be true about God. But but lest you be tempted to to check out this morning, let let me challenge you. To, to stay the course this morning, to, to, to stay focused from, from, from the outset, to go beyond simply affirming these things that we know we agree with about the character of God, to begin to think deeply about how these truths about God relate to where you are this morning, what you are facing and, and we know from our, our prayer list and we know from, from just living more than 24 hours on this earth that we are all facing something today, are we not? I want you to consider the implications of what we learn about God. Not what these truths mean to you, because they mean the same thing to all of us. God is God. But how do these truths apply to your life? How are they going to shape what type of uh, of man you are, what type of woman you are, what type of child you are? How's it going to shape your approach to your studies this week, student, or your work this week, or, 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 or that trip you have to make to the hospital, or that hard conversation that you're going to have to have? Because if we believe what we say we believe, that this is truth, then these truths must 
affect those areas of our lives. And I don't start this way to, to come off hot and heavy on you to begin with. This is, is not to heap guilt upon you, but to encourage you. God has given us truth about himself. We can know God. How can these truths uh, equip us to even be better worshipers? This week, Psalm 121 describes our God. Now, when we began the study a couple of weeks ago, I, I listed out roughly seven types of psalms that are out there. And, and, and we talked about this. And if you go and read, you'll, if you read ten different writers or commentators on the psalms, they might give you ten different answers as, as far as, as, as the number of, of different varieties of psalms that are out there. But, but one type of psalm that they all agree on is, is, is what is called a psalm of ascent. A psalm of ascent, not a smell, but ascent, as in going up. And, and Psalm 21 is, is one of these. If you, if you look in your Bible there, at the top there, probably right before this, verse 1, it probably says a psalm of ascent. Older, older translations refer to it as a psalm of degrees or a psalm of steps. And, and there are 15 of these psalms in the Psalter, in the, in the book of Psalms in the Bible. And they're, they're all grouped together in Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. And, and, and if you look at these, this grouping of psalms, they aren't grouped together because they were necessarily written at the same time or by the same writers. That's not the case at all. Actually, the years are unknown, but it's a pretty broad scope of what you find in the history of Israel. But the reason that they're grouped together, they're grouped into five groups of three psalms each. And in the first four groups, what you find is that the first psalm that you encounter, in this case it would be Psalm 120, what you find is a lament or a, or, or a statement of, uh, of despair or, or concern over a situation. Something's going on. In the middle psalm, 121 in this case, you, you find a reflection on or, or an appeal to God's character. And then in the third psalm, in, in each of those groupings, you, you find a, a celebration or a reflection on the, 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 uh, the promises and implications of, of what it means to be a part of the people of God. And, and these psalms have been grouped this way to aid in worship. The Psalms of Ascent were, were, were sung by, by, by pilgrims who would visit, uh, Jewish pilgrims who would come to Jerusalem three times a year for, for various celebrations. And as they, as they climbed the road to Jerusalem, remember Jerusalem was a city on a hill, elevation about 2,700 feet. As they would walk the road up to Jerusalem, they would sing these psalms together to prepare their hearts for worship, ascents, steps, degrees. And, and, and while taking them in their individual setting, a, a psalm at a time, 
is beautiful. Psalm 121, we could stay here for weeks just, just looking at the character of God. As we consider them as they've been grouped, I, I think it's an even more powerful way to understand God's word. Psalm 121 paints a beautiful picture of the God who cares for his people. It's a song that celebrates uh, that God is present and active in the lives of those who are his, especially during times of trial. I mentioned already that that Psalm 121 is, is the second psalm in a grouping of three psalms which are designed to, to stimulate worship in the hearts of God's people. So, so, I, so I want to begin by reading Psalm 120 as a, as a prelude. And then we're going to focus on Psalm 121 as, as the meat of our passage. And then I want to, to close by looking at Psalm 123. So listen to Psalm 120. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is clearly a psalm by someone who is distressed by by those who are being deceitful around him. Now, we don't know the entire context surrounding Psalm 120, but it's clear that the psalmist is in a foreign land, far from home. Meshach was a wilderness region far north of Jerusalem in Asia Minor. And Kedar was actually southeast in the Arabian desert. So, so the psalmist isn't saying, hey, I'm living somewhere in between here and there. Those are, are two places you can't even see each other from. So, so it's a description of, of someone that is far from home but surrounded by those who are not the people of God. He's, he, he's speaking metaphorically rather than giving a, a, a precise location. He's, he's in the wilderness is what he's saying. He, he's among a, a violent and slanderous people. And, and sadly, we, we can all probably relate on some level at, at the distress that it stirs up in our lives when someone else is slandering us. Can we not? It can be stressful to to know that someone is is spreading lies and deception concerning your character and and even causing others to question your integrity. It it can be challenging to to maintain our sense of of joy and to remain faithful to the Lord during times like this because we are tempted to fear what others think of us. It negatively affects the way we interact with others and the way they interact with us. And this is especially challenging when you're in a position of leadership. Deceit and slander aren't just attacks on someone's character. They also tend to erode the trust 
of those who are deceived and who believe the lies that are being spread. We, we, we see in verse 7 that these deceivers are, are, are men who love violence rather than peace. People with this bent tend to be people who have no problem doing violence to reputations as well as the physical body. And Psalm 121 follows Psalm 20, follow, uh, follows Psalm 120 as a reminder that, that God is present with his people during times of such trial. In, in the same way that the, the glory of a diamond is best seen when, when, when placed with, a, with the backdrop of, of a black satin cloth, so too, Psalm 121, as it talks about the glory of God, is seen even more glorious, more beautiful when contrasted with what we see in Psalm 120. We are distressed, Psalm 120. It's hard. Reputation's under attack. I, I'm not near the people of God. I'm in the, in the wilderness of life. Despair? Psalm 121, look to God. Psalm 121 presents four ways that God cares for us. And, and it is my prayer that, that our time in this great psalm will increase our worship of this glorious, caring, ever-present God who has called us to himself through his Son, Jesus Christ. In verses 1 and 2, we, we get a glimpse of our God who helps. Verses 1 and 2. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, the, the psalmist reminds us that, that, that God is our helper in our time of need. And, and again, we don't know who wrote this psalm. So it's impossible to be sure what period of history it was of Israel's history in which it was written. And this really does bring to question what, what the psalmist's intent is when he says, I, I look to the hills. If this was written in, in a time of, of, of war or a time of exile, then, then looking to the hills would have been something that was done in fear or wariness. For we're traveling, if it was written during the, the exile, and, and, and they're coming home, they're, they're coming home looking to the hills, not, not knowing who's up there. Is, is there an enemy there? Is, is something else going on up there? Is there danger or, or hope or help there? If this was written during a, a time of, of, of peace, and prosperity, then it's likely that the psalmist is, is writing about a time when the, the, the people would actually be returning to Jerusalem. And, and as you look to the hill, what do you see but the temple of God in its glory? A reminder of where our help comes from. But, but in either situation, we see that, 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 that the psalmist is trusting in God rather than in that which has been created, that which is earthly during the time of need. 
Now, hopefully, if you were with us last week, uh, as, you, as we read the psalm this morning, you, you noticed that the word Lord, every time it's used in Psalm 121, is, is written in all capital letters. And, and, and hopefully you remember that that means that in that case, the, the Hebrew word Yahweh is, is what's been translated Lord. And, and Yahweh is, is the name that God gave about himself when Moses met him at the burning bush. Yahweh emphasizes the fact that God is eternal, God is all-powerful, and that he is a covenant-keeping God. He's the true God, and in his character alone, we see that the psalmist takes comfort. It says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, we saw last week that, that creation is indeed a reminder of God's power and wisdom. And much of what we see in creation is pretty powerful, is it not? Now, even here in in Lancaster County, we have some pretty impressive storms that that blow through in in the spring, summer, and fall, do we not? We even had a a tornado touchdown only a few miles from here, not that long ago. And a a tornado is is a relatively small storm. But everything that it touches is affected. Trees are uprooted. Roofs are are removed from buildings. Buildings themselves are destroyed. It's raw, frightening power. But but it's not just the storms where we see power in creation, right? I I remember as a as a small child being at the at the beach on vacation in North Carolina and and I sat out on the deck looking down at the ocean and, and I watched the tide rolling in and and it kept coming and before you knew it on a bright sunny day the tide had actually ripped the steps away from from the deck that I was sitting on and, and took it out to sea just like that the, the, the wood and nails were no match for the, for, for the power of the waves. The power of creation, or that we see in creation, is amazing. But we see here from the psalmist that it pales in comparison to the power of the one who created it all. The, the psalmist, looking to the hills, understood that the, the one who created those hills... And everything else is the source of his help and strength. Now, now why is this important as we consider God as our helper? Well, let's be honest. It is much easier for us, even today, to focus on what we can see rather than what we cannot Just as the, the waves crashed upon and ultimately washed away part of a sturdy deck, we, we tend to focus on the waves that are crashing in our lives. In life, when, when we face threatening situations, there's a, a phenomenon that happens in our bodies sometimes. It's called tunnel vision. 
And what that is, is when you're under a threat, uh, a lot of times you, you read about folks who, who've been in a situation where they've been attacked, and, and all they could see, all they could focus on was, was the threat that was in front of them, and, and everything in their peripheral vision was either dark or fuzzy, but they could describe with clarity everything that they could see about their assailant. God's designed us this way for our protection. You, you focus on that immediate danger. It's very helpful in a situation like that, but it is not very helpful for us as believers when we take that same approach, if you will, to the trials we face in life. When our laser-like focus goes to the trial rather than to the God who is greater than the trials, then we go back to the problem that I described earlier. We become forgetters of what is true. Our, our focus must go to the one who promises to be our help in times of need. In, in verses 1 and 2, the, the psalmist is reminding himself and us that, that there is a choice that we make. Our, our, our tunnel vision, if you will, needs to be directed to the one who is more powerful than the trials we face in this life. The, the one whose power is actually displayed through what has been made, there, there's a greater power at work in the life of his people. God is the God who keeps his promises to his people. Now I wonder, dear brothers and sisters, is this how we view God today? We, we, we celebrate the gospel at New Hope and, and the fact that through faith in Jesus, the, the one who died and rose again to restore us to God, we are now the people of God. That is a, a, an irrefutable fact. Anyone who comes to Christ by faith has been reconciled to God and we are, are there forever. It's the greatest news we'd ever receive. But it does not end there, dear Christian. That's where it begins. And our faith grows, and our faithfulness grows, and our, our confidence grows as we grow in our knowledge of this God who has been so gracious to reveal himself to us using something we all use each and every day, language. We, we don't need impressions of the God whom we worship. He's, he's given it to us in black and white. And he tells us here that he is our help. So, so, so think about the trial you're facing, the, the fear you're having, the, the uncertain situation that, that's lying ahead, the, the difficult conversation you need to have. Where are you looking in preparation to, to, to face that? Perhaps you, you look to the hills and, and, and all you see all around are, are enemies who are, who are waiting to, to drop down and, 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 and take you out, so to speak. God is your help, dear Christian. God is your strength. And it's in the backdrop of, of the struggles and trials that we face in this life that, that God's help to us is even more glorious 
And it's also during those times that our growth in him is most evident. Struggling Christian, he is your help. Turn to him in your time of need. Verses 3 and 4, we see the God, our God, who secures. The psalmist continues, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Security is, a, is another important aspect of our relationship with God. We, we, we've been reminded of his power to work in our circumstances, but the, that power is also seen in how he enables us to stand in the midst of trials. Verse 3 says, He will not let your foot be moved. Now in the Hebrew, the, this phrase actually communicates the idea of not surrendering or, or giving up. Now, that's why some have, have speculated that this is a psalm, that, that looking to the hills is, is, is thinking about enemies, because this is kind of a, a, a war-type statement here. You're, you're, you're not going to give up. You're, you're not going to surrender an inch. God will not allow his people to fall away, but, but he will equip them to stand in the day of trouble. Now, this doesn't mean... That things will be easy or that we won't face struggles or even setbacks as we seek to live faithfully in this fallen world. But to be moved in verse 3 means to, means to slip or fall or, or fail. And, and I think what the psalmist means is that those who belong to God will not be moved in the ultimate sense. In other words, those who truly belong to God will persevere. They will overcome. This doesn't mean we don't face setbacks along the way, but in the ultimate sense, everyone will overcome. I, I say that because Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24 put it this way. It says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord. When he delights in his way, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. For the Lord upholds his hand. He gets up again. Pushes on. Overcomes. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. The, the faithful life isn't characterized by a lack of struggle or even the reality of failure. But that God ultimately brings us through. Let, let that sink in, brothers and sisters, because too often we, we view life simply in terms of whether things are going well or poorly, when in fact we, we, we should be viewing everything through the lens of who God is and our relationship to Him. In, in verses 3 and 4, the psalmist reminds us that it is God who secures us and establishes us in Him. And we see that, that being secure in God is the best possible place to be. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now for us, the, 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 the daily need for sleep is our reminder that we are created and dependent beings. We, we cannot function without it. And when we do not get enough of it, there are consequences. Ask anyone with a sleep disorder, and they will 
testify to the importance of healthy sleep patterns. That God does not sleep, nor does he need to, by very definition of who he is. God never lacks in anything. He, he doesn't lack the things that we lack when we don't get enough sleep. He, he doesn't lack power. He doesn't lack wisdom. He doesn't lack energy. He doesn't lack strength. By, by nature of being God, he never lacks in anything. And the keeper of Israel, brothers and sisters, is also the keeper of the true church. So we too can take confidence in God's love and care in being our security as well. We, we see this phrase, he who keeps, or, or the Lord is your keeper, throughout Psalm 121. I'm going to come back to it again. And, and it's there as a constant reminder that God is present with and at work on, and at work on behalf of his people. The, the God who keeps you it is the God who secures you in Christ for eternity. What is there to fear, dear ones, when trials come? What, what can man ultimately do to us if we are secure in God? Our God is also a God who shields, verses 5 and 6. The psalmist continues, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, William S. Plumer, who was a, 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 a Presbyterian pastor in the, in the 1890s, makes an important point concerning God's role as keeper in Psalm 121. That God is referred time and again as the keeper of his people in the psalm makes it clear that we're a people who need to be kept. Okay? Now, that seems very basic and clear, but, but, but if we don't think about the implications, then we, we miss an important point. This psalm does an, an excellent job of, of reminding us who is God and who is not. We need to be kept. Inherent in the, in the many statements about God, what God will do for his people is, is the reality that his people, as his people, we are completely dependent on God to do these things for us. And that's true for every point in this sermon. The, the, the fact that God does these things for us should, should serve to deepen our faith in him because we desperately need God to do all this and much, much more. We are weak. He is strong. We are needy. He provides what we need. We need protection. He is our protector. We are sinful. He provides a savior. You see how that works? Don't ever forget it. Verses 5 and 6 paint the picture of, uh, of God shielding his people from harm. The, the people of Israel understood life in a desert wilderness, and they understood what it meant to, to travel on foot over great distances. In such a setting, one is exposed to the elements. Traveling during the heat of the day could, could lead to heat exhaustion or even stroke. And traveling in the cold of night could, could lead to, to, to frostbite at certain times of the year. But I think the psalmist actually has more in view here 
than simply suffering from heat or cold. I, I think poetically speaking, the, the psalmist is emphasizing the, really the harshest realities of life. And this is all tied to the, to the help and the protection that, that God provides that we've already looked at. The, the psalmist is simply building on this foundation that God is actively at work in his care for his people. We, we live in a fallen world, and, and let's be honest, we're, we're a fragile people. We, we, we like to, to think we're at the top of the food chain, and in one sense we are. But that is not true because we're the toughest or are the strongest creatures out there. We're not even close. Even the, the toughest humans, those menly men that, that, that are outside, that live in the mountain, you picture whoever you want, lumberjack. <laughs> Even they are, are fragile when compared to other animals. Did, did you know that there are 24 animals in the world that are considered man-eaters? They, they consider us their prey. And that doesn't even include the, the creatures that might kill as a defense mechanism or, 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 or those that scavenge for things that are already dead. And on that list, you, you have a wide scope of animals. Some you would expect to be there, like tigers, right? That's probably one of the first things that comes to mind. But there are also other animals that, that you might not think are there or should be there. There are are fish on that list. There are lizards on that list that all consider you a tasty morsel. Now, thankfully, we, we, we don't live uh, in a part of the world where we face a whole lot of man-eating species, but, but the point remains the same. While we may be above the animals in God's order of creation, doesn't mean that they can't take us out. We're fragile. You're fragile. Manly man. Guy who's at the gym every day. When compared to even some of the, the smallest animals on this planet, you are fragile. Quite fragile. And, and verses 5 and 6 remind us that, that God, God is close to his people and, and he's at work for their good and for their protection. And brothers and sisters, that's a protection we need both physically and spiritually in this dark and dangerous world. Even men and women who believe that, that work in the agencies that protect us, that, that put their lives on the line on a regular basis to care for other human beings, believers understand and they turn to God each and every day. Their confidence may not be in that gun that's on their hip or that, 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 that vest that they're wearing that's designed to stop bullets, but they understand for them to do what they're stepping out to do, they need God's protection. They understand who is in charge. We need to understand that as well, dear ones. Finally, our God is a God who preserves, verses 7 and 8. The, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In, in these two verses, we see yet again the phrase, the Lord will keep you or the Lord will keep your. And, and this is indeed the overriding theme of this psalm. 
And really, each section of the sermon, I've tried to give you a, a growing definition of, of the Hebrew word shomer that, that, that's translated to keep. Context matters. How ancient words were used matters in, in building our faith on sound doctrine. Now, some have, have read Psalm 121 and, and come away with the idea that, that God promises that we won't have any trouble in this life. After all, isn't, what these, isn't that what these verses say? Well, not really. Not if you understand the, the history of Israel. <laughs> not as you consider it as the way it's set apart in the Psalter for our worship. Psalm 120 describes someone who's in great distress. So it's not a promise of a, of a life of ease or, or a, a trial-free life. But it's a description of God's faithfulness and care for His people. And an aspect of, of His keeping His people, God is, a, God is able to preserve us even as we face evil in this life. Though we face it, though we are tempted by it, and even as we are affected by it, God's people, His true people, will not be overcome by evil. In verse 8, we, we see that the psalmist has both a, a temporary and eternal view as the psalm comes to a close. He talks about from now to what? Forevermore. God is in control now and he is in control eternally. And we can and should take comfort in this reality. When we're fearful, it's because we can't see that the greatest thing that could ever happen to us is that we enter into the presence of God. You can take your greatest happiness, Christian, that you've ever experienced in this life, and it will not come near the great joy you will feel when you enter into the presence of God. Take that to the bank. Build your life on it. Allow it to cause you to stand firm under temptation and trial. Because you understand that the, the promise of the glory to come is, is greater than the temporary pleasures of sin or, or even the pain that we may experience for standing firm in this life. This is the Christian life, brothers and sisters. God preserves his people. Our bodies may break and decay, but our real selves, our souls, are preserved, secured by the faithfulness of Christ. No one can snatch the believer from the hand of God. And what greater preservation can we have than that? God is present and active in the lives of his people and as we face adversity, as we face the mundane day-to-day -day activities that we're involved in, as we experience joy, and, and even as we face the evils of this world, God preserves His people. He empowers us to, to persevere in this fallen world. The, the Apostle Paul picks up on this same theme in Philippians 1.6. This is what he writes. He says, and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's that same idea that we see in verse 8, this preservation from now and forevermore. God is at work for our good, brothers and sisters. 
I mentioned already several times that, that Psalm 121 is the middle psalm. Psalm 120 is, is the lament. He's far from home. He's away from God's people. Psalm 121, he, he strengthens himself. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness and protection as we're on our way home. And Psalm 122 is, is, is a celebration of being home with God's people. Listen to Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There are thrones for judgment that were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sakes, I will say, peace be, with you, be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Can you see that? Psalm 120, far off. Psalm 121, he's on his way home. Psalm 122, he's there, and he's, he's celebrating all that the house of God represents for the people of God in relationship with their God. Brothers and sisters, we were once far off from God because of our sin and rebellion. Now we've been brought near to God through the faithfulness of Christ who died to redeem us. We're living in the Psalm 121 of life while we wait for Psalm 122 to be in his presence, in a Jerusalem that is far more glorious than we see described in Psalm 122. So as we depart from this place, let us do so with that overall theme of Psalm 121. God is present with his people as we journey home. No, no matter where we go or what we encounter along the way, God is there. God is sovereign in our situation. Yahweh, the eternal, sovereign, covenant-keeping God, the God to, we have been, to whom we have been restored through faith in Jesus Christ. Brother Christian, sister Christian, take heart in the knowledge that He is present with you, helping you, shielding you, protecting you, preserving you until that day you see him face to face. He is in control. You need fear nothing in this life. Let us pray. Oh Lord, what a great reminder of, of who you are and what you have done and, and what you continue to do for your people. Lord, I, I pray that, that Psalm 121 would, would wave like a, a banner over our lives as we celebrate who you are and your work present and active in our lives each day. Lord, we want to be a, a faithful church in reminding one another and encouraging one another of who you are and what you have done. And I pray, Lord, that we would go forth from here Rejoicing in the fact that you are our helper, you are our security, you are our shield, you are the one who preserves our lives. 
and that no matter what trials we may face, there is nothing that can take us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom, whose name we pray. Amen.